Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our A Conversation With series, where we invite pros from all walks of our industry to have a chat with us about their background and experiences, and then we finish it off with a little Q&A from the audience. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Howdy, everybody. Welcome to yet another conversation with, with myself and David Hubert over at Agora Community. We today have um, an amazing guest um, who's, who goes by the name of Mike Jungbluth. I don't know if I'm saying his last name, last name properly, but I'm sure he can correct me when he gets online. Um, he is uh, currently an animation director over Bioware, but um, also is very well known in the industry for his much bigger role in it because he founded the uh, the uh, GDC Animation Summit as well as Anim Exchange. Um, Anim Exchange, if you haven't um, discovered Anim Exchange by now, you uh, probably should because there's lots of really, really great content out there um, constantly from Anim Exchange. They, uh, they do these sort of like little mini... Um, almost many conferences they put it all online um i remember i was i was i was um i i on twitter just on the last anime exchange sort of blast i put up i i was retreating a bunch of the um a bunch of the uh the animation talks that were i thought I thought were really great one of them was a uh I think it was by um brad brad clark who we had on as um, meet the expert not so long ago he's the one of the guys behind uh, the rigging dojo he did this thing called the um the uh, rosetta stone for for um uh for Blender, for Maya people that want to get into Blender. So anyways, long story short, really good content. Um, Mike's here to talk about that and many, many other things. Let's first bring in Mr. David Hubert. Hello, David Hubert. Hey, Brent. How are Hello. you today? Not too bad. Good. How are you? I'm good. Are you about to lose your voice? It seems that you have a, a special, yeah, special filter in there or something. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. It's... Uh... Maybe just been doing too much streaming lately or something, but is it your post uh, second shot of it might uh, be vaccine? It could it 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 could be it could be. I uh, I was I felt like I was run over by a truck for the first day, and then I just been kind of tired for the, la the last couple of days. But I think I'll survive. I think I'll survive. All right, nothing Let's, better uh, than a two hour stream. An yeah, hour and a half no, it's it. perfect. It's the <laughs> the perfect thing. It's what the doctor orders after getting a, a this your second vaccine shot. I think it's like right on their top of list of things to do right afterwards. Okay, so let's bring in Mr. Uh, Mr. Mike. I'm going to bring him in, and he can correct me on his on his pronunciation of his last name. Hello, Mike. Hello. It was terribly <laughs> wrong. No, I think it was right. I wasn't. I was, I was like, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I just I mean, never so heard it said out loud. So I'm, yeah, yeah, because it's so it's uh, it's a German name, but my dad's from uh, Peru. So there's like complicated. Yunbluth, Hunbluth, and now when I'm on the phone and try to say it, it's just Jungluth because then it hits all the right. consonants. That's right. And I don't have to spell every letter, right? Okay, so it's actually incorrect, but it is essentially the the what, but the what most people would how most people would probably pronounce your name. Yeah, it's you know it's whatever location you're in, however they yeah, say it. I'm obviously. like, that's cool. I don't really. <laughs> I, I have no. I'm not. You're, you're to so it. over it by now. Having a name like Jungluth, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's long. It's old news. I get yeah, it. it's fine. It's great. <laughs> Welcome. It makes to the Google show. searches easy. I guess. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for yeah, being on the show. Here. Let's do this. Um, 
Mike, maybe just a quick uh, introduction, a, a quick uh, rundown for those that might not uh, know you. So that that's something that we, we, you know, an hour and a half is is super short. So we're trying mm. to not go into the half hour presentation. But if you have, let's say, a five minute maximum uh, to, <laughs> for people oh, that don't know you, <laughs> I, let's see if I can do it under that. Uh, so, uh, fifteen years, I guess, making games. Um, worked at a number of different studios. Uh, Right now, Bioware, but most, you know, I've worked on pretty much everything from MMOs to first person shooters to action adventures to, you know, most, <laughs> most types of genres. Um, and uh, yeah, I like, I like games. Games to me are a lot of fun in that I like the interactive portion of it. Um, I, I like the challenges that come around with, hey, this player is going to try and break this thing. And, uh, it sort of becomes this weird performance art between you and the audience at the same. So I totally love games uh, and, and really focused on the, the gameplay interactive side of, of stuff more than anything. Um, outside of that, like you were talking about Brent, um, about 10 years ago, uh, after going to things like Seagraph uh, and GDC, I was looking around for who's actually talking about interactive animation stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Most talks that I saw at conferences or uh, online or, or in conversations were really around film. Um, and so I wanted to know, okay, but who's, who's talking about mm -hmm. this interactive thing and, and how that's different and how game design influences that. And it wasn't, it wasn't really happening. So uh, myself, along with some friends, Tim Borelli, uh, Ryan Duffin, we, we started up uh, the animation bootcamp at GDC where we essentially said, Hey, if you can give us a day, um, we'll fill mm. it full of, of game animation talks. And they said, sure, why not? What, what do we have to lose? And mm. uh, it went really well. From there, uh, we ended up getting more talks than we could ever actually show in a, in a day, which is when we created the animation exchange, um, which really came about from uh, me asking for more days at GDC saying, <laughs> hey, we've got more talks than fit in a day. And all of like people are coming to GDC just for the animation bootcamp. Now it's a summit. Um, and they come for one day and then they're here the rest of the week. They'd like to see more, more talks. When yeah. we try to put them in the main conference, they would get booked at the same time and we yeah. don't have control over the schedule. And so just give us two days. And they said, no, we can't do that. So I had a buddy who was working at Twitch and he said, you know, you could just come to our office. We'll stream it for you. We've got the platform. You've got the content. <laughs> and uh it that took off so we've done uh i guess four of those now um it should have been five but we had one all scheduled and then pandemic hit right as uh all of that was about to happen so um so yeah we've done four animation exchange uh they're all entirely online we stream it for free we release the videos for free um and uh, that's really sort of been what my focus has been more. Um, I handed off the GDC stuff to Lena Bachinsky, um, who's at Riot. Uh, she's great. She she runs that now and, and does fantastic work. Uh, I'm in the process of handing off the animation exchange because I'm, I'm a big believer in uh, don't overstay your welcome. And uh, <laughs> I am probably, I'm certainly not the most qualified person to talk about this stuff. And uh, there are enough places where I'm represented as, as a white guy, I mm. really want to make sure that we're building these communities and these mm. opportunities for everyone to say, Hey, here, what do you want to talk about? What's important to you? Mm. And what are, what are the gaps that my focus is 
going back to the, hey, why aren't there more talks about interactive animation? Everything was geared towards that. But once I hand those off, it's like, oh, we had a great talk at the Animation Exchange about uh, moms in, in games and animation. And that was a fantastic conversation of, of what's it like and what's the process and how does the studio setup matter to all these things. And mm. it's, it's like, this is great. Where else are these conversations happening? I don't, I don't see them. And I'm guessing a lot of people would like to see them, but they aren't represented in that way. So yeah. um, that's really, I guess that's me in the nutshell. Is that under five? I think so. I think good. that was right on five. You right on five. Yeah, Nailed right, it. Right, right. The uh, target. Perfect. Um, there's so so many questions. I'm sure that yeah, yeah so so much to to unpack. The, the first one I have in mind is you mentioned that you went to GDC. Where where why is there anything about interactive animation and all that? And you know, it, it's easy to to look in retrospective and yeah of course it made sense to to do all this but when it doesn't exist and it's just an idea in your head uh it, it, you almost have to be a little bit crazy to actually yeah you know what i'm going to do that and the first step is this is this is this and then there's just literally hundreds if not thousands of hours of your life that goes over the years to go into that so what was the so uh, i understand what was your uh the realization of oh that would make sense to have this that would be cool for myself for you know my peers for the community for GDC but from that to actually do it what was your main motivation for you to take the lead the charge uh, on this front so I think I think there were two things one was um, the year that I first year I went to GDC I was working at Raven Software and they would every once in a while randomly send people to go and so I was lucky enough to be randomly sent just to attend and. Uh, that year, Bruno Velasquez uh, had the God of War uh, 3 um, talk, uh, animation talk. And I remember what, going to that and being like, yeah, that's great. He said something like, you know, we, at the end of every attack, we always have Kratos step forward mm. instead of step back because Kratos is an aggressive character that always steps forward. And I went, like, that's one of those things where a light bulb goes <laughs> off in your head and you understand, yeah. oh, everything that we're doing here can relate back to the the intent of the character yeah, exactly. in a way that normally you wouldn't even and so a light bulb went off and i said where can i i want to hear more from people like him and it, yeah. it wasn't out there so shortly after that then um i think there were some of us on on twitter and it was like an e3 and david cage was up there talking about the future of game animation and to him i think it was like he had cast uh uh, Elliot Page and Willem Dafoe and was like, I'm going to do PCAP for them. And here's the future of game animation. And it was, no, that's not, that's, that's cinematics. Like you're, yeah. you're talking about more cinematics mm -hmm. and the future of game animation is interactive and, and what they make isn't really interactive uh, in, in the way that we wanted to see. So it was one of those, instead of getting salty on Twitter and then just <laughs> moving on, it was, well, there's a, there's a, we can create our own conference. And, and I think things like CTN were sort of just starting at that time. And it was like, we could, let's, let's see if there's a conference that already exists that would be interested. Um, and GDC made sense because it's already got developers there and it's got credibility within games so that um, it was, okay, let's, let's see if they'll have us because it's a, it's a gap in their, in their thing. And we just wrote up a proposal. Um, I sort of made up some, I was like, yeah, I can totally get these talks for you. Um, because we had done a podcast for a few years before that called Reanimators um, with myself and, and Ryan Duffin. And, and so we had started to reach out to people through that. And it was like, yeah, I can get, you know, people at different studios to come in and talk about, about their game. And uh, it kind of just 
took up. But like you said, it's just one of those. You get frustrated enough, and you say, "Why isn't this here?" Yeah, yeah. I can. Let's just try it. What's the worst that happens? You, know, you just try it. You know what's interesting is that it's because the, the the interactive part. Because uh, I, I feel you on this, because I often feel the same way, and I still think that there is still a really big lack of that spectrum of talks about like, you know, interactive gameplay animation, because it's one thing to talk, have a technical talk on, you know, how to build a better blend space, but it's a whole other thing to take a step back and start talking about the, the reasons behind the choices. Like, like you said, it was the perfect example. Like why is that a philosophy stepping forward with the character people, unless you've ever done game animation before, you know, you don't, you haven't experienced that whole strange psychological link that happens between you as a player and, and the avatar on screen and how being that character like th that that experience is unlike anything that a cinematic can provide and there's like this unspoken language that's happening there and those small choices if they're by design can make a gigantic difference on the overall feeling of playing that game and being that character and it's like you're, you're right there's just not enough people talking about that spectrum of in that in that field of of, of specialization yeah and it's it was it's it was interesting doing the conference because that first that first boot camp, it was okay. Let me let me just see what's available, right? And we had um, we had Jaleel uh, do do a talk, Jaleel Sadul do a talk um, that was essentially like I just want something that's totally focused, like the behind the scenes featurette that animators expect when they come in. And for the first few boot camps, I would always start it with one of those talks because that's what they expect, and that's the thing that gets them in the door. Right, like, oh, we're gonna have somebody talk from DreamWorks about better blinking, mm -hmm. or or things of that nature that they, yeah. oh, okay, yeah, and then you start working in a little bit more, right? Like, well, this talk's gonna be have a designer, right, and this one's gonna talk a little bit about procedural animation, and then this one is is gonna be a roundtable with technical animators, and you start building it, and it would it would make me laugh because we get feedback every year that was like there was only like one talk about animation. What was that? <laughs> And, and it, <clears throat> I realized you kind of have to build them there because the, the first year I did a talk, it was a combined talk with me and Ed Hooks. And we totally, like him and I had a ton of conversations getting into the psychology of um, the player and how they empathize with, with their avatar mm. in the game, right? And he and I would have these debates where he would say, you can't empathize with the avatar because you're controlling them. And you can only empathize Ooh. with people that are outside of yourself. That's a juicy right? debate right there. I want oh, to be part was, of that. And so Sign he me and up. I, we, he and I were debating this, and I was like, I was like, well, maybe there's there's got to be something there because while you're controlling it, that character's like, it's still the authorial intent of the of the developers are part of this, right? So it's not entirely you, even if you're saying run forward, the 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 way they run, the emotion that they run. So we have this whole and our whole talk was was really getting into. You know, what does different button presses mean and the style of button and what does mm -hmm. a trigger feel versus a, mm -hmm. uh, a thumbstick click? And, and you know, uh, A, it was my first GDC talk, so I'm sure I didn't do great. And, and Ed and I had a different presentation style, so it wasn't like the highest rated talk. But I also think it was one of those like, maybe we went a little too far too fast. And <laughs> now I look back and I'm like, man, I would, we had Ed uh, at BioWare last year to, to come in and talk to like the animators and, and writers and uh, programmers and sort of everyone, even the tangentially related to animation to talk about acting and performance. And I was like, I want to do that again with him at this. <laughs> but now, now that it's, you know, a little bit more to, to back up and just 
technology and quality and all that stuff has risen over two generations of consoles um, to actually start to prove out some of the stuff that he talks about. When you said too far and too fast, what what would you mean? You think that people that were going to that talk, like they hadn't acclimatized to the idea that you were going to have exactly that kind of a talk. Like that finally at GDC, there's going to be talks about the real things that gameplay animators need to be thinking about. And so they, they came in thinking they were just going to get a talk on cinematics like they normally do. Yeah. And suddenly they find themselves in the depths of a very real like boardroom conversation with designers and animators. Is that what you mean by too much or? Yeah, I think that, I think it was a mix of that. And we're, it was, it was much more on the traditionally game design side of things. I right. think. Okay. Uh, Got it. And so, you know, it was, and, and I think it was also us, like I love Ed because he's interested in games, but he doesn't yeah. necessarily play a ton. Um, and and at that point, I was, you know, six years into my career. So, mm. you know, I was like, I was a senior, but you know, what do you know after six years, right? Uh, I mean, what do I know after fifteen years? But the the, you know, I, I think it was just one of those. It was like, oh, okay, we need to we need to build people there, right? And it, it's one of those things you get really excited about the possibility mm. space. Mm. And uh, and so now I think a lot of it is kind of getting to a point where one of the things that I, I always thought early on was I'll know that we've gotten to a good spot with tech and, and um, implementation workflows and all that stuff when we don't have to think about how are we just going to make this character move on the screen, right? Yeah. Like with, with film, it's it's not, well, how are we going to make sure they just walk left to right <laughs> exactly. on the, on the screen? It. You just do it and you think about, well, what are, what are they thinking about? What's their objective? Yeah. Why are they, what was happening before and after it? All of the stuff that goes that goes into that into that moment into that scene into that character, and we're just now really starting to get to a point with games where we can we can have those conversations because the tools are a little bit more accessible, mm -hmm. more animators are able to and artists are able to get into it as opposed to only technical people, um, and the ability to source a lot of content to to fill in a performance that you need at that level is is becoming more 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 and more likely, right? So. Um, to me, that's the mark when we when we don't have to go. Why isn't it showing up? And why why are they randomly turning left here? And mm -hmm. like this character is is just getting stuck on this. Up. Once that stuff can sort of dissipate, that's the point when it's like, all right, go. Let's make sure people are ready for the for those conversations to really get into the psychology of the performance and the intent yeah. of the performance. Yeah. Uh, I'm just curious, Mike, on this uh, topic of gameplay animation. So, from when you, uh, well, yeah, let's go back from when where you started to where we are today in terms of you know the craft, the technology, and, and all that. Uh, how, if if you put you go back 15 years uh, in the past, and you would have to predict where we would be today in terms of uh, gameplay animation compared to where we are. Anything that you thought that we would have that we don't have, or anything that we actually take for granted that you never saw coming, that uh, either like trends or technology or you know anything to this uh, to this regard. Yeah, I think it's I think it's uh, there's there is stuff happening sooner and faster than I would have expected. Um, you know, when you get machine learning and uh, even even motion matching, right, and and trying to get all of that stuff to a point that it, it is starting to say when when the tools are right and the debugging and all that stuff works you can really say let me let me just focus entirely on the the craft and the character and yeah. it'll it'll fit into this thing and and, and it just it works right yeah. um but i think it's 
you have some things that are really close to that, and then you still have some things in some places that are like not at that at all, right? Like, you know, when we started even the, the GDC stuff 10 years ago, the thought of animators not tossing their animation over the fence to a programmer or designer <laughs> yeah. was like unheard of, right? Yeah. Like people were like, who, why would you do that? I, I just want to animate all day in Maya. I never want to leave Maya. Yeah. And, and it was like, no, you should care, right? Like, and, and now we're getting to a point of, okay, how do we, how much time should they be spending in engine versus exactly. can we get them back into Maya a little bit more? And, yeah. and so, uh, you know, I, I think we've come a, a long way there and now we're trying to figure out how to like, not turn everyone in house into implementing but, other yeah. people's animations uh, that let's we'll got to balance that one out next. Right. But um, so, yeah, I think it's hard. I think the divide is, is real. Um, you know, one of the reasons I, I came to EA was for years doing the, the GDC stuff, somebody would show new animation tech and the EA animators would say, we had that two years ago. Right. <laughs> and, and you were like, what show offs? What, what the hell? Because the sports teams are iterating and they have to care. Like, you make something like FIFA and you have a slow mo cam, and you know, everything the alignment and where you're pivoting off your foot and like is so yeah. uh, immense that it's just like once you see what they go into that, you're like, holy crap, there yeah, is, yeah. I couldn't do it. Um, yeah. but there's, there's, yeah, yeah. What's that system called, Ant? If I remember correctly. Yep. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because it, it's just quick little quick little um a little side note here. So for those who are FIFA fans, there was the, the this technology that was been developed for years and years, which is important because you can imagine trying to make soccer characters look believable with all the kind of jukes and all the like how do you blend from like it's it's and this is all predating um, you know, motion matching technology, right? So they had to build a very robust animation framework to allow for all that. But then it it crossed over beyond uh, FIFA back in one of the battlefields, right? They made a big deal about it where they brought that some of that FIFA technology into a battlefield game, and suddenly the 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 animations, the third person animations in that game, they just took a gigantic leap forward because they were using and le leveraging that same kind of tech. Yeah, and we did so, and that was one of the fun things with the the animation exchange was. I think it was the third one we were able to uh get the first public showing of of ant uh it was a frostbite animation talk where we had uh two people that worked on the team a technical animator and a, a software engineer showing off the tool set and uh what it was doing which was great because you know we've also then got the lead animator and, and uh, lead animation programmer from epic in the audience, like sitting there taking notes and you're like, oh, this is cool because they're going to talk, right? As soon as that's over, you know, that sort of has become my new favorite part of this stuff is that, you know, hey, I want to get, uh, you know, we had uh, a really great indie talk for this game called um, Overgrowth where uh yeah david soren yeah david rosen yeah, david yeah, yeah rosen. David, sorry yes yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. No, that guy's we had him we had him come in at warner brothers same thing i wanted to that i need it was it was it was funny we brought him in sorry to jump in here but i got excited the we brought him in to talk to the engineers to think about and and, and the animation department to be like look let's talk about proceduralism let's talk about it in an accessibly like smart way so we're not just yeah. doing things okay sorry that's crazy well, that you did the same thing was, well it was great because well so what happened with that was he showed up to the very first GDC boot camp, right? Okay. And he uh, he was there for the talk I did with Ed. And then the following day, when we were having lunch in like the the speaker lunch area at GDC, 
he comes up and sits down at, at our desk at our table and he starts talking to us and he was like oh I, I liked your your talk yesterday and I was like oh thanks you know he's like I make these I make these games here's the codes you should check them out yeah um, he's like I'm really into like the one he talked to, he was talking about this game receiver and he was like yeah. I really liked he's like when I made receiver I wanted to make a first person game where it wasn't just wide to reload but it was thinking about how do you replicate the mechanical yeah. process yeah. based on, on inputs. And I was like, Oh, this dude's cool. Let me check out his yeah, game. Exactly. Like, so I reached out to him level. for the next year and I said, would you like to do a talk at, at the boot camp, which is where he did his indie approach to, to animation talk yeah. that then just saw all of our minds blown when he was like, oh, I yeah. made an entire game with 13 poses. Yes. And it's got full animation. And you're like, yes. What, what the yeah. hell is going on here? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, getting to see him and then you know talk with like a you know the lead uh animation program on like ufc who's doing a bunch of procedural content and you see them talking together outside oh, of the yeah. conference and you're like this is cool right yeah, like magic's happening right bringing there people together to chat about these things to me is what's what's really great because uh you know people move around and it's it's hard it's easy to lose track of people but it's also yeah. easy to kind of get inside your bubble yeah and when we get to do these events, um, we really get to kind of pop that bubble and like yeah. bring as many people in as we want and help curate the space. And again, like leading back to the why it's important for like more representation for people is that, hey, let's I want to bring you into this conversation. Like these are people that are going to be talking about stuff that will influence next few years. And if you're here, I want you to be part of that. And I want you to not feel like you're alone. Um, and the more we can get people running these things, um, that aren't old white guys like myself, <laughs> then it's, it's great because they're just going to keep growing this so that yeah. when we do get to that point of tools and tech and all this crusty stuff that we're like been fighting about for, for years is going to like recede. You've now got a groundswell of people with amazing life experiences and thoughts and, and and references and, and experiences that are just going to blow our yeah. minds as to yeah. the possibility space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like. Uh, I suggest the 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 the, the time uh, moving forward and like we could talk definitely for oh, three yeah. hours on gameplay animation. Uh, I'm just uh, curious to move a little bit uh, this uh, discussion uh, to uh, anim state and uh, you know where it is uh, uh, today. Uh, obviously, how it came to be, and maybe a little bit of where, what is the mission, where, where is it uh, uh, going? So let's uh, let's dive a little bit into uh, uh, this one. So can you describe where it is today? Because it's definitely a very dynamic community of uh, of animators there. Yeah. So Anim State really is another one of those things where, you know, we would meet every year. We we talk on Twitter. Twitter was sort of the hey, we can find anybody on Twitter uh, thing early on, um, and so. We would talk on there and then we would meet at GDC and there was sort of a core group of us that would talk about, okay, what are we going to do for the next bootcamp? And, oh, now the animation exchange. And, hey, it'd be great if there was a place that sometimes we just want to get together and, and do a podcast, right? So, you know, we've had a few different podcasts that, that show up on there. Uh, like uh, uh, Keyframe of Mind is, is a great one um, that I, I recommend everyone check out. And so we sort of said, well, let's create this sort of loose collective group. We'll have a website um, and let's just try and keep us connected and have a place where if we want to, you get inspired to write a, a blog, write a blog through through there, or you want to chat with somebody on a, 
podcast, we can we can do it there. Um, and then from that, it was like, well, Discord seems like a thing. Let's just create a Discord that everyone can come into so that when we would go to GDC and run the animation exchange, it was, you want to keep the conversation going? Yeah. Go into the Discord. So now it's like, you know, thousands of people or something in the Discord. And it's like, it, and what I love about the animation community uh, is that, you know, we get to have a pretty soft touch on moderating and involvement because, again, like we, we make sure that we try really hard to say we we really care and foster um, like great relationships and, and inclusivity with people so that uh, most bad faith actors haven't been there, right? So that's, that's great. That takes care of the obvious quotient of, of bad internet people. And yeah. so that you can now start focusing on, okay, well, now where are we running into microaggressions and where are we failing our, ourselves on, on what we don't know um, and our own biases and, and things of that nature that um, has has been great. And I think there's always more to do. But again, I think it's it's been um, a fantastic opportunity to, anytime I see somebody on Twitter say, oh, I've got this idea for a post, it's like, Please post it. Like we've got, we've got a platform that's, <laughs> that's yours to to post post whatever you want. Um, Did it kind of evolve where you thought it would go, or again, it was more this idea of you know what? It's uh, it's something that does doesn't really exist right now. I want it. I'm going to do it, and let's just you know see 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 where it goes. I think, I mean, it again, it's 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 organic, and it's it doesn't have sort of a, a clear. Like there isn't anyone that's just like, I'm the head of this thing and I want it to do this. Um, you know, we always we always flirt with, when you're in GDC or you're the animation exchange, you're, you've now created your own bubble where you're like, this is amazing and, and I love this and let's just turn it into a, a year long thing where we create little pop-up conferences everywhere. So it's like, you know, my head, I'm like, I want to see GDC or like animation exchange Seattle and then Montreal where it's like, what if instead of having one person coming and talking about their production, and their project, it's the entire team. And you get to hear the whole story of who was doing what. And mm -hmm. like, that could be, that could be great. Right. Or what if we, you know, do something, you know, like similar to what you had, where you can reach, here's a library of people you can reach out to. And uh, if you, if you want to have somebody come talk to your class or talk to your studio or whatever, here's opportunities where if you stream it and it's free, then it's free for you. If you want something private, then you have to pay the, like all of these opportunities of what it could be. Um, and yeah. then it really just comes down to it's like, yeah, but also at the same time, we all have our own thing that we're, that we're kind of doing. So it just, it exists as this nice catch all. Um, so, you know, it's a great way to sort of just have a repository that everything can come back to and, you know, people can come out, but then, you know, come back to it and, um, yeah. you know, we, we focus on that. And for me, really, it's now also just become the place that um, I've started focusing on uh, this, this idea of a state of the industry survey, where we've done it now for two years. It's a survey with like a bunch of questions that we open up for a month and say, fill it out. And it asks everything like, um, you know, uh, how many years experience do you have? Um, you know, are you an animator? What's your technical animator, director, lead? Uh, you know, how often are you in Maya versus Engine? Um, you know, who's doing all these sorts of things? And this last year, we we brought in salary and compensation mm -hmm. so that we could essentially say, hey, here's what everyone makes. Um, and it, it, it's anonymous survey. 
Yeah. And so at the animation exchange this year, it was me going through that survey saying, let's, let's show you what everyone is making at different levels in different regions so that when you're, you can compare yourself against it and say, yep. am I getting paid when I'm worth? And then at the same time, because we can, you know, we're asking people again, it's all the questions are optional, um, you know, gender and ethnicity. Um, we can check against that and say, Hey, how like hmm. pay disparity, what is it? Is it, is it getting better when we look at people that are like one to five years versus 10 to 15? And, you know, it shouldn't shock anyone that in all of those ranges, men are making it the higher range and more men are making it the higher range and women are making it the lower range. Same with like job satisfaction, where you can link and see that people who rate job satisfaction um, are, are higher at work-life balance, right? And so mm. that those things are connected. But when you compare that against people of different ethnicities, their job satisfaction ratings are actually lower because of, again, representation and, and the fact that, you know, they're oftentimes othered, whether it's consciously or unconsciously by the team, that's just always weighing on them. So to me, that's kind of the next thing that I keep poking at is, hey, there's something with the survey that these are all the things that studios know and studios have information on, but the people working in the industry don't have access to. So there's enough of us. Let's just, so I think, you know, this year we had, you know, 300, just shy of 350 responses. Um, and, uh, you know, keep, keep doing it every year to the point that it's like, let's, let's, let's get all I, the information. Right. I think that's an awesome initiative. I, yeah. I have to say though, that seems like a very complex thing to do. And I imagine the, there's a, quite a science and art to the, to the questionnaire itself. Like I would imagine it being very difficult to sort of to try to prove that intersection that you're sort of seeing where with regards to maybe ethnicity and job satisfaction, I guess we have enough numbers. It's sort of hard to deny the trend, right? I guess basically is what you're saying, but like, yep. you know, it's, it, there's so many things that could go into job satisfaction. Um, it could even be that like culturally or ethnic ethnicity itself could have something to do with expectations on what a job satisfaction should even look like. There's like so many things that you could start digging into at least start a conversation about based yeah. on some data, right? Well, the problem is without data, these conversations are hard to have because they're just, otherwise they're just complete reflex or they could quickly be uh, um, um, uh, framed as like virtue signaling or something like that. It's like, no, no, no. Like, like there's actual data here. We could tell, like, we can ignore it if we want, or we could actually have a legitimate conversation about it. And it's going to take us somewhere. And that somewhere is probably a better place, hopefully just because we had the conversation. Yeah. And, and my hope with it is, um, in, in most of the cases, right? Everything that I do with the community stuff and, and, and at work as, as a lead and now director is really it's leading with empathy. And yeah. if somebody says I'm frustrated or somebody says I'm feeling mm -hmm. othered, mm -hmm. I just believe them, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, For and, sure. and so, you know, with this data, it's like, yeah, I can, you know, I, I spend some time in these going, look, I can compare this data point against this data point, right? And I, and I go through, Hey, what are all the things that people think change uh, job satisfaction, right? And it's like, is it pay? No. Is it title? So no. Is it location? No. Um, oh, there's like the first time you see a difference is ethnicity. And you go, holy shit, like there's, there's something here. And my hope is that everyone mm -hmm. that isn't in a position of constant representation 
looks down and goes, no shit, I've been telling you and I've been feeling it and you've been seeing us burn out of the industry within five years, forever. Mm-hmm. And to me, it goes, look, the data's there. If you didn't believe it before, we've proved it. Can we stop talking about if it's real? Yeah. It is real. Let's fix the damn thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and let's actually address address these issues. Yeah. Um, is is really what what I'm hoping to do with this. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is a lot, right? Like this comes in yeah. and then I look at all these data somewhere points though, right? And like, I'm checking them and um yeah, yeah. but I would, I would definitely that was the that was the talk I did this year that's on our Twitch stream. Um, that uh lots of data points. Again, seeing what people mm-hmm. make salary wise and conversation yeah. and what are the biggest concerns that they have and how much people think that things are better or worse in their studio versus what they project for the industry, which is really just a collection of everybody's individual studios. Yeah. Um, comparing all those things is endlessly entertaining mm-hmm. to me um, as somebody that enjoys spending time in Excel. Uh, <laughs> Nerd. But, uh, Nerd. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh- I think that's an amazing uh, initiative, and one of the cool things that yeah, it's you know it, it provides data point to fuel some conversation that needs to, but that's also providing actionable uh, uh, yeah. data. That, that's one of the things that we, we we did a stream with Brent yesterday. That's basically a Q, uh, weekly Q and A, uh, and we we started to talk about you know uh, salary expectation and all that, and it not. <clears throat> Not long ago, never that it was easy to know exactly what is your value in the industry, but at least most of the time it was local value. So if I'm working in Montreal, it's in Canadian dollar. I know that usually we're talking about yearly or hourly. And, you know, I have a vague idea because I have other connections that are going to, to tell me. But now with studios in all different yeah. country, different, you know, industry with different currency, different cost of living and all that, that are starting to hire everyone in, in remote, someone that is crazy talented but might live in, you know, in, in Brazil, for, for instance, he has no idea what a New York studio should be paying for his service as a good senior lead. So I think this is uh, amazing to have. And if on top of that, you can eventually expose uh, uh, this data once you feel that, okay, you know, at 350, we feel that this is enough uh, to kind of see where it is going. So here's a chart that, you know, don't take it. Um, uh, it's not one for one, but here's you know the the, the 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 sweet spot for each level of seniority, and eventually per country, per city, per VFX compared to uh, uh, video game and all that. So that's this is super useful uh, data in especially in a time that we're going from local market to global international market that every studio around the world are going to hire more and more artists living all over the place and it, it becomes difficult uh i mean the studios have a obviously a, a much better idea than those that didn't have this experience of working all over the place but it, it's kind of giving a little bit back uh, some of the power and knowledge into the hands of the uh the uh, the artist so i think that's a, a great initiative that on top of that you can have some actionable mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, action with this uh, with data so that's pretty cool yeah i mean that's the whole point of I guess ultimately, if, if there was a mission statement for Anim State and Animation Exchange, which we probably wrote this one somewhere, and uh, Lana and, and, and Julie will yell at me for not actually saying what the right ones are, as well they should, because they put effort into this stuff. Um, <laughs> but really, it's it always comes down to me the um, complete democratization of knowledge, right? Like you mm. saying, I fa- figured out a thing, um, I, I found a way that fixes AI pathing. 
but I'm going to keep it to myself into my studio. Hmm. Who does, who does that benefit, right? It benefits the studio and the publisher that's making money that you see a little bit of crumbs from, or okay, put it out there and now everyone's doing it and everything gets better and everyone's learning better processes mm-hmm. to, to build on as opposed to like the, the imagery I always go back to is it feels like a lot of times the way people are figuring out how to make games is like World War Z of just bodies throwing against a wall yeah, as they stack on top of each right. other versus, you know, I saw uh, a few years ago at the boot camp or uh, at GDC talks that we had given years before, like David's procedural animation talk um, or motion matching that, that Christian had, uh, Jean Juc had given. Um, you start to see these reference now a couple years later and you go, cool. Instead of just bodies piling against the wall, it's somebody put down a block, somebody else stood on that to put down another block. And you can start to see people actually intentionally lifting one another, yeah. um, which is the, the dream, right? Yeah. And it's it's across different pla- different different companies. Like it's a it's 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 sort of democratizing that kind of information and that kind of help so that we can move the whole thing forward as a, as a whole as opposed to like just you know a bunch of you know one company's lucky to have a bunch of these you know these these you know very progressive individuals and therefore that company culture and the way you make games there is accelerating but everyone else gets left behind this way we can kind of you can sort of make bigger change essentially or yeah, global and, change yeah and you don't and you don't know what you're missing until you yeah. see that and then you get to go back to your studio and say they have this i, I want this Yes, exactly. If we have that. We can do this thing better. Exactly. Right? And, yeah. and you can start with those conversations that before it was like, I want this. And somebody goes, oh, that seems hard. Or, I don't understand. There's a problem here. And it's like, no, somebody already put the flags down as to where potholes yeah, were. Exactly. There are more. You're going to find them. Right. Yeah, like yeah. nothing is nothing is free. And, 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 and you know, flip the switch and, and you have it. Um, you have to adapt it to your needs. But absolutely. At least you see there's a destination and where not to step in for sure. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 To me, there's really two different mindsets in general. Either you feel that you're in competition with all those other, you know, other team or the studio, all that, or you feel that you're a part of an ecosystem that, you know, what goes around comes around. If I share uh, while I know, uh, you know, people will be more open to share in, in return. So it doesn't just benefit me personally, it benefits the entire uh, community. So I, I think it's definitely part of that's one of the cool things to see those different community that are uh, evolving and all this uh, information sharing between um, everyone. And that's one of the first thing that we, when we talked about Agora community and we thought about, you know, providing reviews and all that, one of the ideas it was, okay, that would be great if we can, you know, have anyone, we're going to try to make it as affordable as possible to have access to those great uh, supervisors in the industry. But on top of that, why just stop there? Why not take those uh, um, all those reviews and incentivize financially, meaning that you know if you're willing to share this review with all the rest of the uh, the community for for free in the library, it's going to be less expensive. So we're providing this little financial incentive. So now over time, people can go and now there's hundreds of those 15 minutes uh, review that people can 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 learn from. It's just a small. Uh, example, but I think that it's the entire industry with the different community is definitely going towards this direction of you know what we're already doing it. We're others are sharing their secret. We're going to share our secret, and we're all going to benefit in exchange. So that's a pretty cool to things to 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 see evolve in in many different places. Yeah, and and I mean you see you know certain studios and and games and projects 
streaming their development, right? And and yeah, you know, every week, let's give you an update on, on where it's at, right? And yeah. and you know, I, I there's a certain point where it's like, oh, okay, this is like watching paint dry because sometimes stuff just <laughs> takes a while to make. Um, but yeah. I mean, it's it's also one of those things of the people who are interested in it will have that, and then you'll find a way to bundle the exciting parts into larger packages that people can touch in at less regularly um, and get, you know, find, find that ratio. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing where, you know, we really need to, now that we've done the, the animation exchange entirely digital, uh, we start going, well, we like doing a GDC because we were already all there. And if, if we can go to a spot and hang out for a day and uh, eat and, and share some drinks and, and chat and, and whatever, let's, let's do it. Um, but it, it definitely changes the landscape. Okay, yeah, but what does what does the next one look like? And if we're not going to be at GDC where everyone's getting paid to go by their company, um, we need to start thinking about, okay, we need to pay the people that are making these because a good presentation can take, you know, 40 plus hours to to make, right? For sure. And it's like, we want, we want to make sure that it's, you know, would you like exposure? Because that's essentially the GDC model, which is we'll give you exposure. And it certainly had value in us building a platform off of that exposure. Um, but you hit a ceiling of that. So, you know, it gets to a certain point of, okay, like we'll use it for people who want that exposure to kickstart a thing that they've got going on. But, you know, let's, let's figure out the right way to do this um, for, for the community. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's one of the things that we've been discussing for uh, a while at the uh, Agora community. And we want to start to do more is just streaming the work of artists have different, you know, like a technical animator, just a, a senior animator or a different expertise. And obviously there's some confi uh, confidentiality uh, depending on what project and all that. So it's almost like, okay, let, let's start a communal project that we're just going to start. And every week, because even myself uh, at some point I was, uh, um, looking at uh, Andrew Kefalis' work working in Unreal. And as you said, there, there was a little bit, a part of it that felt like looking at the painting, uh, <laughs> a, a, a drawing, but at the same time, it was so different than all the behind the scene video that are glorified version of what we expect production to, to be. <laughs> and just to see the struggle of, oh no, that didn't work. Okay, what am I going, how am I going to solve this? Oh, and try this. And you you kind of, if you're patient enough, you kind of see that, you know, there's a lot of two step forward, one step back, two step forward, one step back, and where it ended up two hours after, it's likely not exactly where you expect it to be, but it was a very good looking under the hood. Uh, uh, experience that was, uh, and you know, I, 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 I'm not at all someone that's working to Unreal, so I can imagine that those that actually do to see others, and maybe that's a stream they would be looking on the side as they're working on their own uh, thing. But I think that this is sh sharing uh, real time work that people are doing is something that will be done more and more in the uh, uh, in the future that that's for sure and if on top of that you can extract a little bit like we're doing with those conversation i mean it's good to have them live uh in within 10 15, 10, 15 minutes we're uh, trying to take a few questions from from chat but on top of that obviously we're recording this and then eventually like oh that was a great five minutes with when mike mm -hmm. this or this and okay let's capture this let's hashtag it to be able to find this information and let's put it in a library so it, it's there if we want to specifically share this bit of mm -hmm. knowledge uh, eventually so um 
So yeah, I mean, uh, streaming and keeping those little bits of uh, video that are going to be accessible after that for 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 free uh, is definitely part of the uh, the big picture of uh, wh what we're trying to do here, but what we see pop uh, all over the place in the uh, yeah. industry. Well, yeah. and what I love too about this stuff is once we switched the platform from, okay, you're giving a talk at a conference to GC, which if you fill the room is 250 people and it's more of an academic experience where it's somebody on stage giving a presentation mm -hmm. to a room full of people. And then we started doing the the animation exchange. And we realized, wait a second, this is a different beast, right? Like, this is you sitting in a room with some of your peers that you're friendly yeah. with, talking to a camera. To, I mean, if you if 250 is you know lower numbers, right? So, I, you know, at some point, uh, you know, because we were streaming through Twitch's channel, we got on the front page, and it was like, you know, thousands of people were all of a sudden watching this stuff, and you're like, this is this is bonkers, and it, and it makes you realize too. <clears throat> The format of somebody giving a PowerPoint presentation with some videos in it is cool, but it's again academic. And once we started realizing, you know, let's let's take those things like somebody's workflow process, where what you really want to see is how can I put somebody into a situation where they have to problem solve? Because problem solving is at the core of what you do as a creative, right? Is you've got an idea, how do I make this thing? I'm gonna hit pro like I'm gonna hit obstacles. What's the thought process to get over, around, under, whatever the obstacle, right? And so uh, the lens that I always keep going back to or the wrapper that I put it on is, okay, whatever your talk idea is, whether it's a panel or a presentation, I want you to think of it as either a morning show segment or reality TV, right? <laughs> or, a, or a game show, right? And, and you know, things like the, the animation hot seed <clears throat> Uh, extreme challenge that, that Lana runs with um, uh, Jake Campbell, who or, who was on uh, Cuphead. The idea was originally, let's take, I want to see like an exquisite corpse that you would see where you fold the paper in three and one person draws the head and hands it to somebody else to draw the body and then and the legs, right? And I want to see that done for animation. And it's like, okay, that's cool. You're going to watch somebody animate for 10 minutes. That's not necessarily the most fun. Um, and then I think it was Julio had the initial idea of, yeah, but can't you like throw us weird curveballs where all of a sudden you like lock our controls or you say <laughs> we can only we can only translate no rotation and things like that, which was cool. And then essentially it was like, Lena, do this like I think you'd be great at this. And her and 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 Jake go off in this place where they just if you've never seen it, look up the the hot street uh, uh, the hot seat challenge um, because it's. You know, people like Jaleel and David Gibson and Jason Shum, like all these people who are like DreamWorks and Blizzard and, and Riot, like people that you go, they do great animation. And it's like, watch them try to animate on a rig they've never touched in a scene they've never seen in 10 minutes to get from point A to point B while you have two hosts heckling them, asking them the most ridiculous questions you can think of. Mm -hmm. And you see the gears going the whole <laughs> time, right? And and it's 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 great. And so you know, the more you can figure out education doesn't have to just be academic. You can yeah, do it in an entertaining way that makes you go, oh, that was just funny. But it was like, no, you saw somebody talk about, I wish I had my, my hotkey that does this thing. And you're like, oh, I never thought that could be a hotkey, right? Or talk, mm -hmm. what am I going to do here? Oh, let me let me constrain this thing. And you're like, oh, right, I should use. And, and you see those workflows and that genius 
while still a silly veneer that keeps you watching. So it's not the let's watch for two hours and hope that there's a few nuggets that randomly happen. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, Mike, have you seen with everyone in the last uh, year and a half that had way more time to, you know, participate to projects, spend time online, being at, <laughs> at home. Have you seen uh, a, a, having it in uh, influence or an impact on Anim State in, uh, in general? Yeah, I think, I think there was an initial spike. Um, and then you very much see screen fatigue now, where mm. the last thing people probably want to be is on their computer mm. talking, right? So I know early on, it was like, oh, cool. Like, we can get together regularly. We don't have to just wait for GDC yeah. to see each other. Let's just jump on a call. And we would do them, you know, regularly, once a month, every few weeks, to the point now that it's like, I love you, but I need to get away from my computer. I'm tired of sitting here looking at this damn thing. And so I, I've, I've definitely seen that point where you're seeing more separation of work and, and life. And um, I think as animators, it's easy for us to wrap up our identity in, I do animation. I am an animator. Everything feeds into this interest because it is my craft and it is my passion. And more and more I'm seeing people go, but I need to know like there needs to be a wall that comes down mm -hmm. that I go do other things because mm. a, it's going to make you a better anime because you're pulling from new resources. Right. And you go, Oh, I got really into, uh, uh, gardening. And, and now the thought process of, of the way I attend to, uh, you know, these, these plants actually makes me think about how I want to, you know, polish my animation or, or approach a complex scene or, or whatever. Right. So, I, I think it it it's ultimately a valuable thing, and it's one of those that, from if I was just to look at, it, I'd be like, why is engagement down, right? And it's like, well, is is that a bad thing, right? Like <laughs> yeah. when when we do something, I know people are still going to show up because we all enjoy being together, but we don't need to be in each other's ear or on each other's screen twenty four seven. And in fact, yeah. it's not healthy at all. Yeah. Uh, I'm just curious. Also, the the impact on your uh, day job, being working in remote. What was? Did you love it? Hate it? Can't wait to go back in the office, or would like to have some flexibility? Yeah. So I hated it at first, right? Like um, the you you realize very quickly when you're all remote how much you relied on organic conversations and processes to lead and direct a team, right? So um, not being able to, to say, oh, I've got 15 minutes between a meeting. Let me just walk through one of the groups to see what they're doing and see where I talk to them and then see where we can overhear some conversations mm -hmm. with designers or artists or programmers and, and, and connect people, right? Or, oh, let's, let's go grab a coffee and, and chat this thing through. Um, I, I hated not having that and I hated mm -hmm. not having that energy. And I don't think it helps that we were working out of an apartment. But now that it's, we've developed better process for this stuff and, um, you know, also further along in just the development cycle, right? Where it's less talk, more do. Um, the talking portion when everyone's remote on their own little island is much more difficult because you don't know who's on what island and who's having what conversations and who's on a boat together somewhere else entirely because they just got off their island and said, I'm tired of this, right? And um, 
that has been hard to manage. But now that it's like I've got an office and I've got things around me to inspire me and I can leave it and close the door and, you know, I, I want it. I'm looking forward to going back to the office, like part time. Mm-hmm. But I like, uh, okay, so now it's really figuring out when is the best time for office? When is the mm-hmm. best time for home? Yeah, um, yeah. And I think it varies on role and, and point in the project, right? Because office yeah. is great when people are there and you want collaborative creativity. Um, maybe even some collaborative reactivity versus when I'm at home, single reactivity, single creativity is better. Right? Yeah. And uh, do you think, because we had again this discussion yesterday in the, uh, the stream, do you see most of the studio in the industry go back to pre-COVID that they will impose people to come back to work? Or what do you think uh, most studio are going to uh, implement as you know, new, new rules uh, in, in terms of remote, remote work? Yeah, so um, we asked that on the survey, actually. I, 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 I can't speak. I think you, you see studios that are um, generally probably a little bit newer. In, in their creation, getting ahead of the curve on this and saying, yeah. we'll do entirely remote or we're, we're hybrid only or, or whatever. Um, and I think you see bigger studios and publishers sort of mm-hmm. waiting and seeing a little bit more. Um, what I will say is that when we ran the survey, the question we asked was, if your preferences around your working situation, remote, work from home, hybrid, whatever, are not met, are you willing, are you, would you leave your current role for that? And 43% of people were like, yes, if my studio does not offer me what I want, I'm out of there. Like almost wow. half of people were like, and, and so when we got this data back, I sent it to my, to our studio leadership. I was like, like <laughs> somebody's going to do this There's and they're going to eat our lunch. And like, it's, it's gonna, it's And it, and it, you know, it, it does. It's one of those things where ultimately I think it's great because you're putting, the power and opportunity back into the hands of the, of the people yeah. that are making these things. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, my, my bleeding heart liberal side obviously comes out in that moment where I'm like, damn the man, even now I'm a, I'm a, I'm a director on a project. So I'm sort of the man yeah, yourself. In, in some ways. So, but damn me, right? Like yeah. who cares what, mm. who cares what I want to make my life better? Like I'm going to be fine. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's really the team that, you know, has to to deal with all the additional bullshit that's like what do you want what's gonna what's gonna make you happier what's gonna help you see the uh you know work-life balance and a clear uh career path and and allow you to meet your not just career goals but your life goals yeah because all of that's going to feed back to you making more interesting choices having better life experiences uh creating better work more creativity um that that to me is where i like to focus without having to care about money or investors or, or any of the other stuff that goes into yeah. why that becomes difficult. Well, one of the things that you mentioned from the other survey that there was a clear correlation between uh, life, work balance and the happiness uh, at work. I think that any studio that doesn't have empathy for new parents that are commuting for three hours oh, to, to get to, to, to work and they will not provide, you know, at least a hybrid flexibility of, you know, a, a maybe half of the time at the office or half the, uh, of the time at home, or maybe it can be just for afternoon or something like that. Uh, they're going to, it's the first time I'm actually hearing this very interesting data about the f- 
the percentage of people that will actually do something about it. I was assuming it would be at least half, uh, 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 half of the people. So that's kind of reaffirming this. But I mean, those studios that will be rigid about it and say, no, pandemic's over, everyone is coming back. <laughs> they better have, as we said yeah. yesterday, like double the salaries, free bagels for everyone, super fun project, fun parties and all that, because that's going to be a massive incentives that all the other competitors will have around them. That that's Someone yeah. needs to tell these big studios what happened to dinosaurs a long time ago, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's this interesting thing where I think you have a lot of these bigger studios that would say, well, it's what's important to us is our culture. Our studio culture is important because that's what creates the games that, you know, are, are successful for us, right? And I think you're starting to see some chance, some some places where there was sort of like culture is a crutch to lean on when maybe they didn't provide as much uh, salary as some other places, or when they would, uh, you know, sort of set up these situations where it's like, yeah, but it was still also a culture of it's people who want to be staying at the office, having parties, playing foosball. Like you're, you're again now speaking to the group that is always represented in this, in this mm -hmm. community and within this larger industry. And your culture has now was always a hindrance. And yeah. now it's just even more clearly a hindrance because it's not allowing people to work the way that they want to work and are proving that they can work even into a situation where you've got all this mental white noise of there's a pandemic going on and my kids are here sometimes because school is closed or there was a COVID scare. So now they're here for two weeks and uh, maybe, you know, partner lost, uh, lost a job and somebody's sick that I know. And all of those additional white noise on top of their, their general white noise that it's like, you know, your culture was probably always uh, a, a double-edged sword. And mm -hmm uh now yeah. here's just further proof of it it's a little sad it took a pandemic to really shine a bright light on just exactly where those weak points are like you know you really think about it going back to the idea of like commutes and like um you know um new parents or like single parents god forbid trying to make it in the industry like this and then you know companies that were just for all these years prior completely apathetic to that sorry you know, it's the, we can't do anything about it. Like there was like not even an, a real attempt. And now suddenly, because we had to now suddenly all these things are magically possible. Like it kind of makes me, I'm kind of bittersweet about the whole scenario in a way. Cause it's like, this should come to a shock as a shock to nobody that flexibility is helping the whole life balance thing. But why yeah. was it so difficult before? And it required literally zero choice for the industry to finally figure it out. It's yeah. like, come on, really? Well, like, and I think this thing, it's, it's not a, it, like everything, it's not a zero sum. I have a few people on the team that are like, I want to get back to the office so bad. Yeah, sure. Maybe they live more rurally and, yeah. and they don't have great internet. And they're like, totally. they're like I want to get to that. They're like some people are like, I love driving my car. I love the experience of commuting. Yeah, yeah. I would listen to audiobooks. I want to be in that office with people. Um, great. If you want to be there every day of the week, go ham. Yeah. I, I thought I did. And now I'm like, <laughs> But I also move further out of the city now. Yeah. I'm like, I really don't want to do that commute yeah. every, every day, right? And yeah. I don't need to if what I'm doing is reviewing work yeah. that I yeah, can exactly. actually do just as easily over a screen because now I can do draw over super easy and, mm. uh, you know, <laughs> all of that work, right? Uh, I think most of the resistance was coming from the fear of the unknown. Uh, yeah, and, sure. and most importantly, the well, if we allow this for Cindy, 
then we yeah, have yeah. to do it for Steve and Linda and all the other yeah. ones. And, you know, it's going to be chaos and we cannot handle Mass chaos. So, so let's just keep with how we've been doing things for yeah, yeah. 20 years. And let's, yeah. so, so at least now they have something that they can compare yeah, to yeah. say, oh, now we have data about it. Oh, now we see how productivity. I think that there is definitely a balance to find because, yes, brainstorming, uh, you know, in remote is not the same. Yes, there's a lot of you know those water cooler conversation uh that that where you know some magic can, can happen so but at the same time there was way too many meetings there was way too many distractions mm. it was so much time wasted and and many uh, uh managers that i knew that were like oh but yeah but if they're working from home you know they might not be really working and they might be looking at tv and i was literally like look at the monitor of this person right there that is looking at netflix <laughs> right on the floor of your studio and it's just in your blind spot you know and maybe it's going to hide the window when you're there but it's going to come back don't don't be delusional to think that people, because they are on site, they are efficient a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. It's just, if anything, it might actually be the the uh, the opposite. Yeah. So uh, maybe this people. person will actually work six and a half hours from home. But I'm pretty sure that if they're stuck in the in front of their computer, they're actually going to do the work to be done as fast as they can to go on the couch afterwards, or they're not going to have has it for eight hours. So uh, I think that at least. Um, you know, uh, at least now we have data, we have a long enough experience that people are going to require to have this flexibility yeah, and good. any any studio that I like, oh, but we're not really sure. Okay, fine. You're just potentially going to lose 43% of your best uh, employees. Are you really willing to, <laughs> to, yeah. to go this route? <laughs> And it's not just about losing employees because, like, at the end of the day, it, everyone's different. Like, that that's the one thing we all have to admit. And, and yeah. going back to a, a, a big topic that, that Mike covered earlier on this idea of trying to maybe make, make God forbid, we make the game industry a bit more diverse as far as culture, ethnicity, and gender. Like, these things... Like if if you're only catering to a bunch of like young um, people that had access to the education that happen to be hardcore gamers that don't mind killing themselves and doing lots of overtime all the time because they don't have a family, then you're never going to change the industry because it's only catering to one type of person. But if we can find a way of embracing some of this flexibility, maybe it could be part of the antidote to helping other people that may not have even been interested in the industry because they knew what that yeah. was like, they, it wasn't even welcoming to them. Like, how does how does a single mom, like, I mean, I had the experience at a company, I'm not, it's going to remain nameless. I was the first time I had more women on the team than I had men. And I, it was the first time I really got a taste of the kind of challenges that women have in the industry versus men. And now, it was a big eye-opener for me, to be completely honest, especially because two of them um, had children during their stay there and to watch some of the kind of the the kind of like just the 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 challenges the logistical challenges as well as some of the stigma that's associated with someone who literally has to leave for a number of months before they can even come back and it's like it and i get i get both sides of the equation but the problem is is like like how do we make that less like like how do we make that more welcoming for women that do want to have a family as well as work in the video game industry how do you do that i mean like you have in in the, the problem gets even bigger when you talk about on like a scale of like beyond the industry itself but then you have like countries like and i hate to i hate to pick apart the states but i mean to think that the leading leader of the free world doesn't even have mandatory leave for women it is like it literally it it, it blows my mind 
to a level that I can't even possibly explain on air right now. Like I just can't. Mm -hmm. So like there's that level on top of it as well that is something a bit more difficult for an industry to fix, but an industry doesn't have to follow that lead. A, a company yeah. could always offer leave to the women employees if they want women to be part of the team. End of story. They make it, yeah. they make it happen. Right. Well, and I know there it's, it's interesting. I, so, uh, you'll have some instances where I, I think actually, uh, the, um, PUBG group, right? That mm. does like a uh, player known battleground. Yeah. The the creator of that lives somewhere in, in Europe, um, like Sweden or something, I think. Yeah. And essentially he set up all of the healthcare to say, I want every studio, no matter where they're at in the world, to have as good healthcare as I do. And they're like, yeah. that's gonna be really expensive in the States. I don't care. Yeah. Do it. That's it. Right? Make and, it happen. And, and and so it's it's always great to hear about yeah. about things like that. Um, and, and you hope that it happens more because yeah, if you listen to the, the, uh, moms and games, uh, uh, anim like animation exchange talk that we just had in, in March. Yeah. I want to go back um, and check that one out. Actually. It is, it is, you know, I see her and I go, why won't a designer listen to animation? It's so hard. And <laughs> you know, that's, that's the type of like white noise bullshit that's in my head when I'm at work. Right. Yeah. And totally. then you hear the other experience like, well, what if I want a kid? How do I time up? my yeah. my pregnancy with a production cycle and what yeah. happens if it doesn't time up and then when i come back do i have a space yeah. that i can i can pump and like when do i have to come back and what if i don't feel yeah. like i'm ready to come back and yeah and oftentimes women are finding that a they're the they might be the only one in the studio going through this and there isn't a policy so they have to figure that out on top yeah. of just being pregnant and, <laughs> and totally and and experiencing this easy experience i'm sure right it's it's yeah. and, and it's you know, it all comes back to if there were women in charge, there this wouldn't be a problem, right? And yeah. it's it's not saying you know like just get rid of all men, but it's saying it shouldn't be all men. Like it's all men right now, That's right? It. So That's uh, it. it's hard to empathize with problems yeah. you don't even you can't even you haven't even considered because you just don't live that life, right? Right, and yeah. and it's and it's I think it was like yeah, I do feel grievances around animation maybe not being heard or, or things in yeah. my life that aren't working well, but those aren't really that major and I'm still going to get the opportunity to address them. What I need to actively do is find places to just step aside and say, this isn't the, the returns I'm going to get from this opportunity are far mm -hmm. less. So mm -hmm. let me step aside and let's give this opportunity to someone else. And then also the same once they're know that I'm supporting them. And if they need mm -hmm. something, I'm there. It's not just, you know, hey, here's a thing. See you later. And yeah. then thrusting them into a, you know, it's like giving people opportunities to succeed yeah. instead of fail. But and always be on the lookout of, hey, this isn't my opportunity. Doesn't need to be my opportunity to succeed. I'll succeed just because I've got a bunch of safety nets that I see and feel all the time mm -hmm. that other people don't when they've got this constant anxiety of, yeah who all am I being tasked as representing and if I fail, what happens, right? Yeah. yeah. And what we're talking about is really flexibility. It, it doesn't mean that, oh, let's all be working from home no. or let's all have, no, it's just that, can we just realize that everyone is different? I had some yeah. people in my team that they were, you know, super introvert and, and you could see that just getting to work was already a challenge on top of yep. all the noise and this, you know, super loud extrovert animator that is, you know, 
not annoying to me. I found it funny, but extremely <laughs> annoying to, to him and he's being forced. So, and even flexibility, not working from home or uh, at the office, because there's definitely some people like, I never want to work from home ever again. I don't have, you know, a, a partner. I don't have a family. All of my social life is at work and I want to go and sure, go, go, go back yep. at, uh, at work. But even in, in terms of number of hours, we're talking about new parents be before. What if a majority of studio, or at least some studio would say, you know what, 40 hours a week is just a random number. Uh, you want mm -hmm. to work 25 hours or you want mm -hmm. to work 45 hours? Or let, let's say that our range is anywhere between 20 and 50. How much? And, you know, mm. it's the management team to figure out, well, okay, if he's at 50 and she's at 25 and she's at 30 and she's at... So then it gives a chance to new parents to say, yep. you know what, I can work Absolutely. half of the time from home and the total yep. amount of hours that is expected is 25. I can manage my day to make it work. And so I yep. don't have to completely leave for a, a year because the, the uh, you know, the... The, the, the mole is 40 hours and more and that's it. No, let's just, let's make it more flexible for everyone and studios will, re and it, it's not just for employees or freelancers. It, I think that studios are going to realize that, oh, actually if we loosen up a little bit and do a better job at managing all of those people, we're actually going to have an extra incentive that we will be able to get all those special talent because we are the one that are allowing flexible number of hours and it's not just going to be a studio policy that is written on the wall we're actually going to have <laughs> days with our producers and managers mm -hmm. to not make all those people that are working less hours feel bad because that's something that i've seen as well in the past that you know the studio policy is one thing and they have the best intent in the world but you have a you know a, a management team that is like yeah yeah but you know we all know what what it is crunch time right you guys are going to be here 60 hours right and so there need to it needs to be something that is really applied to everyone on the floor and not depending on what what team you're you're on yep totally agree brand do we have time for a few questions <laughs> i see that we uh no yeah usual. we don't have much time left 15 <laughs> minutes 15 minutes so let's do it now actually if you ever got it i think we can scroll back through some of the, the the chat and pick up a couple questions there's also um a sheet that i have to go grab but um let's see if we get somebody from um from, uh, so we have someone here okay actually there's a new one right here hold on a sec there's a whole pile of them coming in here let me just grab this one this one here, which is, I legitimately want to move to a different state, but keep my rate of pay so I can finally save. And oh, hold on a second, <laughs> I thought that's part of our conversation. My bad. I thought that was an actual question, but it's not. It was must have been some back and forth. That's what's hard about finding questions in well, chat is because you. Just, yeah. Well I mean, done, it does. It, well done. That's that brings <laughs> up the thing that, again, this is me speaking purely as an animation director that doesn't have to worry about uh, taxes and and insurance being different from different states versus different countries and uh, cost of living differences and all of those sort of things that very much do have to become a part of the conversation where, um, you know, yeah, let me, uh, let me move to LA for a year, work for a company and then say, now I want to, I want to move out to someplace where, you know, I can get a house for you know, a super low price. Ideally, yeah, it's like you were going to pay me that there. But it was also you were getting paid that based on the quality of life, right? That probably that needs to transfer over to. But yeah. then also, 
look at some of the some of the like the amount of money in the industry probably yeah. doesn't have to. I mean, it's again, all of these are things that are so far above uh, my pay grade of saying, hey, let's let's make more intentional characters um, and more intentional player experiences. But I uh, empathize, but then also, you know, yeah, dismantle capitalism, right? So it's. <laughs> Yeah, that's another part of this discussion that we, we, we had that, yes, there's a, there's different, and it's going to take time. I, I think it's going to take a, an entire decade for, for it to properly like regulate of, okay, who, uh, how much are studio going to be paying for freelancers and, and employees and, and all that. But you, there's basically, you need to know what is your worth in the industry. Yeah. You need to understand, okay, that's this type of studio. And yes, some studio pay more than others because usually of revenues. Um, and you also need to understand that, well, you know, if you decided to go live in Thailand on this, you know, on the beachfront and basically your cost of living is very low, um, it might have an impact on how much you, you'll be able to, uh, to, to accept. And if you're ready to lower your salary expectancy to something that would be amazing for where you're actually living, but that would be a tough time if you're living in, in Manhattan, then it means that you can literally accept the project that you really want to be working on instead of those that are going to provide the the incomes that will allow you to pay this crazy expensive rent so it, it's just a new situation that we're getting into that's going to evolve over time that's for sure i have a question here um so here's a person and this is a whole other dimension that again i can't appreciate because i don't have a physical disability but like again flexibility could suddenly open up like if i don't have to travel from my rural home to downtown and to think of all the logistical nightmares lack of escalators and elevators i'm sorry not escalators elevators just to be able to get me access to a building that, that the mm. adventure it takes to get get downtown in somewhere is a whole other adventure when when you know you have a disability so you have someone here who's actually speaking um on a on a personal note here, is there anything in place to help people with disabilities getting a position in, in animation, transportation, and other accommodations? And I think that comes down to companies. I mean, I, I think that's really what this topic is all about is I think at the end of the day, if companies want to be welcoming and be able to leverage all of the, the creative geniuses out there from all the different walks of life, then they need to start thinking about being flexible to people. So I don't know of any global um, um, sort of some sort of initiative that's helping people no, in general? There's not. No, there, there's not. To, to, to me, I, I would just say rapidly that, you know, usually it's more city by city, country by, by, by country. There's not something specific, I think, for animation. But the easiest solution is allow flexibility of, you know, however you're going to invest to make your, your, uh, uh, the entire building, uh, uh, you know, friendly for those that have disabilities. It, it, it's not going to be as good uh, as if they are allowed to be working from home and not do this entire commute and take the stairs and go there and, and, and all that. So, yeah, I, I think the easy solution to to that is more flexibility to allow them to 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 be working from from home. I mean, that's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember seeing actually somebody on Twitter saying that um, uh, you know that this is a situation they're in and that since. The pandemic and work from home has become a mainstay their their uh amount of work has gone up right because now they're able to take more jobs do more work and, and work to their schedule and their and their life uh, uh as as uh th th that suits them right um but you know i think it 
Oh, it, it also just depends on the country. I think, you know, some countries probably have more around accessibility than um, others. Likewise, you're also seeing more and more accessibility added to games when they're shipped, which I think, you know, all of this stuff sort of feeds in together into um, making it a space that is hopefully more welcoming and uh, removing some of those barriers. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I was trying to type feverishly in chat at the same time when I was pressing all the buttons I shouldn't. As you see, I revealed <laughs> I revealed someone has a crush on you, Mike, and uh, said that they could listen to you do a, li a live stream all day because you're quote unquote dreamy. Dreamy. So, uh, <laughs> that was that was a paid actor. Um, <laughs> Either a paid my actor. Ego, or my ego needed that, so thank you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. He made his day. Uh, it's either yeah, it's either a paid actor or it's someone someone um, incognito that's actually someone who probably knows you. Uh, it's probably that. I think it's, yeah. I think it's Simon Unger, but well, <laughs> he was also part of Adam State, right? He helps us run all the back end stuff. So I know Simon. It, 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 yep. it seems it's oh, there. He is there. There he is. Yep. <laughs> that was really who did it. That's really funny. I didn't even notice that. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, so uh, oh, we have one, question. yeah, from GTV Dave Seven. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. Exactly. It's funny because it's certainly. It's certainly not really thematically connected to the kind of stuff that came up, but still there's three people in this room that could very easily ask the answer to this question, I think. So would you buy an XN suit if you could work remotely? Is that an, is that an investment that makes sense, I guess, in general, I guess is the question being posed. Yeah, I mean, we did, a, again, at the Animation Exchange, we had, um, uh, we had them out and we did a, a live mocap shoot. Where we had brought in a couple actors, we suited mm -hmm. them up. I was directing them on the on the thing because, again, that was something that not many people are taught how to direct for mocap and nope uh, or what does a shot list look like. So that talk was here's a shot list that I made that replicates the shot mm -hmm. list that I use at work, and here are two actors, and I'm going to run you through the shot list and, and direct it the way I would if this was a shoot. That's and cool. then the last like ten minutes of it was, okay, Twitch chat, just throw out ideas that you'd like to see. Yeah, and let's just crowdsource, and then we released all of that data for free. XN, oh, that's such a great uh, idea. Released all of it as, as an FBX for everybody. So, the data is out there. You can you know use it yourself. Um, Where is that data? Where do you have it stayed? Uh, uh, we have it on on Anim State. Uh, okay, cool. If, if if you look for nice. that, uh, also I think on the YouTube, uh, on our YouTube channel, if you look for the uh, Animation Exchange XNs, um, you should be able to find it there. Sorry, my Google, she got excited. She wanted to be part of the conversation. She does that sometimes. <laughs> that's cool. So that's a nice hot tip. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go sort of pillage that as soon as I can, actually. Yeah. We have another good one from uh, Gertie Bits. Yeah, bringing it up. As soups and directors, how do you work with artists with anxiety or depression? Do you feel like that is something that should be mentioned in the interview or just later on one-on-one? -on -one? That is such a good question. Uh, that is a good question indeed. Yeah. I, I mean, for for the should it be mentioned in the interview? Um, it's not a my, my business. My take on it, it it depends. I mean, are you comfortable? What is, is it a one on one interview? Is there twenty people around the the, the table? It, mm. You, you kind of have to go with the moment. And does it feel uh, appropriate? I would just say that if you mention it because you want to be upfront and you know that it might have an impact with with your work. I would not just drop the bomb and say, "Oh, by the way, I'm, you know, I, I, I deal with anxiety and depression, and it can have an impact." Just be more, 
I don't want to say, I don't know if constructive is the more, it's more like, you know, I, I, this is what I'm dealing with. Uh, it has this impact in the past and this is how I'm dealing with. And sometime when I know that it's coming, uh, I might have to uh, request a few days, but if I can, you know, sit uh, at home for a few days and I come back and I, you know, the battery or recharge, just have the, this is a situation. This is how I've been dealing with, and this is how we might have, I might have to deal it. Uh, on on production, so it, there's kind of a here's a situation and here's how I uh, manage it. Now, should it be mentioned during the interview for me? It, it's really are you comfortable to bring it during the interview, and how much is it really affecting? Because I've been working with people that has you know uh, anxiety problem, and and you know I I actually didn't notice until very later on and I kind of start to talk about it and they open up about it and yeah it's something that they were dealing with but it's not like it had a major impact on their productivity so maybe judge how much it has an impact and how much relevant would it be to bring it in in the interview yeah you got something you want to add to that there Mike I, I have a couple thoughts on this one as well but no go for it uh, I was just going to say, yeah, I, I'm torn on this because I think David kind of summed up my my thoughts exactly. Like, I think it needs to be, you need to know yourself, right? If you are, if you're suffering with such crippling anxiety that you're going to have a hard time working with a group of people, then, you know, you're going to have to find the right company with the right kind of flexibility that's going to make that happen. And I think it's, it's, it's a perfect question for the kind of conversation we just had, right? It's like a company could choose to try to leverage um, people like, I mean, a lot of people with anxiety are also like geniuses creatively, you know, that's, it's, it's comes, it's just part of the package. And so social anxiety comes from a lot of introverted people that have a hard time dealing with gr big groups. It's sad because those people often are silenced because of their, their crippling fear of being in a big group. And yet, so they don't get listened to. And some of the best ideas on the floor are never implemented because they were never heard. And so I think it, it, it comes down to picking uh, doing your homework and seeing if there are companies that are a bit more progressive and a bit more, um, you know, accommodating for people like yourself, I think is what it comes down to. And it's a very personal call in an interview. Like, I think if you've done your homework and you're, you feel comfortable and disarmed by the person who's interviewing you, um, maybe it's time, maybe it, it, it's not a bad idea to put the cards on the table because then maybe, because if you, because if you don't say anything, then accommodations can't be made and therefore maybe you won't be put in a very comfortable position. So I, it's, it's, it's a dicey one. And I wouldn't want to give you advice on this one way or another, other than, like yeah. I said, do your homework and try to, you know, find a way. Cause I mean, I would hate, cause at the end of the day, if you are, if you're having such crippling anxiety that working in a, at a, at a, at a big studio at a big office, that's probably not gonna be so accommodating. You're probably barking up the wrong tree. I hate to tell you because yeah. at the end of the and I hate, it, it pains me to tell you that because maybe that's your dream to work at EA or, or at Ubisoft or one of these big companies. And I'm not saying that either one of these companies would not try to accommodate you. I'm not saying that because I obviously don't work for them and I have no idea, but the point is they're big and it's, they're less agile probably because of that. And so so who knows? So, yeah. it, but you know, uh, I would say it really depends. If you're just having an interview with the uh, HR department, I mean, what are they going? I think if it's with your direct uh, supervisor, whether the director that you're going to be working under on your lead, uh, then yes, they are the one that you need to have a supervisor that's going to be empathetic to your situation if you have that person in front of you that you feel after maybe half an hour that you loosen up a little bit and you're comfortable just 
mention it and see their reaction. And if it, it, it's, you know, in the Bali language, it's, it's one they're going to answer. If you feel that, okay, yeah, that's someone that is empathetic uh, to my uh, situation, or if they're super like, okay, but they really don't care. Well, you can imagine that when, how it's going to be in production, they're probably not going to care and just say, okay, thanks for telling me, but we're still expecting your shot to be done by the uh, end of the week. So it's almost, you know, when you're in an interview, they're obviously interviewing you, but you kind of a little bit interview the, the interviewer at <laughs> the same time, just to have an idea of what Absolutely. kind of studio that is. So that's your opportunity to just test water. And maybe at the end of it, it'll be like handshake and you'll know like, yeah, I don't have a good feeling. I don't think that over here, they're going to, you know, do anything about it. Yeah. Company culture and sort of signaling what they, what they are in an interview, I think is super important. And if they're not doing a very good job communicating that, then that might be a, a might be a warning right away. Theoretically is that they're, that, that it's not in their wavelength. They're not, they're not thinking of you as someone who would be sensitive. Like, I mean, anybody, like I, I personally, that's one of the things I always try to get a sense of in an interview is what is their culture like? And is it going to be accepting? Is it going to be collaborative? Or is it going to be like working for a dictatorship? Because I don't work well under situations like that. And I work better in situations where people are like a bit more, you know, you know, on the same level and just collaborating and, and, and working on problems together as opposed to just being told what to do. So, you know, everyone's different and they all have their own different needs and their own kind of environment that they're looking for. Mike, you got uh, something yeah, you want to I mean, I, with? I think it's, it's all what you said. I, I, I don't, my thing is, I don't even think it's that you're a little bit interviewing the other company. You it's are, a lot, yeah. you're as Go much ahead. interviewing them as they are you because if they, if they're talking to you, it's because you're valuable to them. Absolutely. And so you are as valuable to them as they are, as they are to you. And yep. so I would 100% ask, what is their mental health policies? Yeah. Right. Um, and, and you don't have to go into any more detail than that and, and yep. find out, do they have one? Does mm. it, does, what is it? Does it, does it meet your needs? Um, and then start asking, you know, some, think of some questions ahead of time around, you know, how, how do you deal with, um, you know, maybe somebody who's falling behind on, on their animation or on their work. What is your, what is your process for that? What is your yep. coaching and directing style? What training yeah. opportunities do you have? Um, those would be all the types of mm. things that I would be asking them about, uh, to, to get a sense of what they offer because, yeah. um, those do exist, right? Like at, totally. at Bioware and EA, it's regular. If somebody's like, I'm having an off day. I need to take a mental health day. Go for it. It's do what uh, you got to do. Right. And awesome. so those, it exists. You should, you know, expect to find a place that, that does that for you. I know, especially when you're starting out, it's kind of like whoever's the first person that'll take yeah. you to the dance is the one I'm going to go with. Totally. Uh, yeah. and, and I get that, but it doesn't, you don't have to settle for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's good uh, advice. Long term. Yeah, Mike, that, that would be amazing from one, eventually a survey, if you can have enough people from enough big companies just have, have insight about the, the culture of each yeah. one, you know, how is Ubisoft culture compared to EA we culture? Asked, and... So let me see, we asked around compensation um, and I asked about uh, time off. I, I believe I asked about time off. Um, we asked about hourly rates. I'm, I'm pretty sure on there we, we asked about, okay, yeah, what uh, time off do you have? What does your uh, PTO look like after it's somewhere in the, the presentation I gave, um, was around all of that to say, is it un unlimited, which is really just like, it says it's unlimited, but everyone's peer pressured in the yeah, there's the day off. print. Yeah. Right. Is it sick days and personal time off are the same? Like all of that sort of stuff can. Yeah. 
Is there it's anywhere? To... Oh, so, sorry, Brent. Is there anywhere, Mike, where we can see some of the you know insights out of those uh, survey online? Yeah, yeah. So on the the talk that I gave, I'm going to release it here on Anim State. I've gotten behind it because I I need to go through and I want to make sure that it is totally anonymous. Yeah, because totally. at a certain point when you get like there are only so many animation directors in the industry, right? So like, yeah, that's right. At what point can you go? I want to know what this animation director makes this place, and if if you look at the location <laughs> and their age and yeah. like you could Not, probably find some people it. and like me, I'm like, I don't care. You want to know what I make? It's on there. I don't, I don't give a shit, but I don't want to. So I'm, I'm trying to go through and figure some of that out and talk mm. to um, some different groups around privacy and, and, and what's the best way of doing that. But I did do a presentation where I put uh, a bunch of graphs. It's like 70 slides of me going through charts and saying, look at this, look at this. Um, that's on the, the uh, Anim State uh, Twitch channel. That's awesome. Uh, um, I had another quick question about Anim State because you said that the, you, you'd placed that mocap data on there, but I, it's not it's not immediately obvious where right, it would be. Me, I'd love to link it in chat. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me search it. Uh, if you link it to me in the private chat, I'll relay it to the uh, to the general chat. I think I've got it. Okay, so it is on this page about halfway down. Sweet. It's Thank called you, Live Mocap Session. Yep. Um, and go. let me make sure that the. Uh, Boom. Accept. Okay, yeah. So there's a link there uh, to the mocap data, and then uh, you can get an XN's trial request um, for the software. Um, and then on the screen, I also share uh, like what a shot list and stuff looks like. So um, that has essentially all of the talks uh, or links to the talks. But again, this is also all on our YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, so if you go between Twitch or, or YouTube, you're going to find all of the, the animation exchange goodies. And uh, on Anim State, just search anything and, and you should find it at the top. That's sweet. Um, we are out of time. I was hoping to, there was somebody who was eagerly trying to get an answer uh, from a question that they, they kept asking. Um, I, I think they were translating it from Spanish. They sound like they're doing some sort of school project. I'm going to throw them a bone and ask this to, to both of you. And I'll, I'll do my best to answer it as well, even though I don't really know what I'm going to say yet, um, which is essentially, I mean, I'm not, it's posted in many posts here, but essentially they're asked, they're saying, look, if Tesla was known as the father of electricity, in your mind, could be considered considering how Richard Williams kind of became like, and his in his book became like the Bible for animators in many ways. What if we were to give uh, Richard Williams a title um, in the same kind of way? What would that title be? What would you give? What title would you the, the I, grandfather of animation, or like, I, what would it be? Animation it survivalist, right? Like survival yeah, guide good. is sure. the thing. While I, like I saw one. it popping up there, I was like. I, I don't know. Like I don't know. Yeah, I mean, either like I didn't. Rick, want to, I, didn't want to post I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm terrible with it. But I, I like survivalists. Now, maybe that sounds a little bit more. But I guess he also <laughs> had a, a pretty varied career dealing with a bunch of a bunch of stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's go ahead. We dude. can workshop it. Uh, yeah, we should. Sorry, Brent. I don't. I don't have a good have an answer. answer oh, come no. on. <laughs> it's funny because it's um you know because we did kind of like Preston Blair had those books at one point and they were like the go to and then when the Richard Williams Kent book came out it was like it was the standard book. You'd be hard pressed at even now to find an animator that doesn't have that somewhere at their desk at work. It's yeah. like a quick reference guide, flipping it open, and and even people that have been career animators for many 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 years, they, it's still nice to jump back in there just to 
kind of refresh your brain on a couple insights and a couple philosophies that are interesting. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's a really good question. Though. That's why at the end of the at, the at the end here, you know, as as we're about to close it off, I felt like we should just ask it anyway, just for funsies. But I like that animation survivalist, and I think that the marketing department behind the book would probably love that one. Let's go for it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take my twenty percent cut. On I, any, yeah, I like uh, it. Future, I like it. I'm going to cop out and just agree with you on this one, Mike. Animation cool. survivalist. Well, Mike, thank you very much for being here today. Like, I really, uh, I, I genuinely appreciated the. Um, just where this conversation went. Um, it's what, what these conversations are usually about. What we love them about the mo most is we talk about a lot of the peripheral stuff, a lot of the human things to being an animator, because at the end of the day, that's one thing we all have in common. And it's easy to just get talking about tech talk and like the new software and it's fine. And that's great. And there's a place for it. But I mean, who talks about these other things? Who talks about the stuff that's about surviving the animation industry, especially if you are maybe someone who's been interested in, in it, but have been intimidated to even and try to get a job in it or are currently maybe sidelined in some way or an, un underrepresented and struggling because of it. I mean, I, I would like to think that the conversations like this might give people hope because, I mean, if they don't hope, then I don't. Like I'm telling you that right now, I think that I, I can honestly, I might be a white privileged male, but at the same time, I can openly admit that I would definitely appreciate more diversity on the teams. Uh, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't anybody? And so I think these are really good conversations to have because, you know, even though we can't speak from a place of underprivileged, it, if we if we got if, at least the very least the, the the very little thing that we can do is at least try to start the conversation and let other people then continue it because like you said it's like we may not be in a position to be the one to like know all the things and because we're not in that 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 sort of uh, that kind of a uh, spot how can we possibly be an expert in it but if yeah. if it takes us to start it then God like like get out of my way let's have that conversation absolutely yeah so we got we you. got some privilege to share so we do privilege we for everyone yeah. we absolutely did like honestly yeah we'll turn this in oprah winfrey everybody gets yeah some of the privilege yeah. i i think it's um it's it's a great and i think what you're doing is amazing and adam state obviously is a beacon of hope in many many ways in that particular area so thank you for the on behalf of the entire community for doing what you do and to be that voice to have to be that conversation starter and um yeah man you're awesome yeah, Thanks a lot. Great talking to you guys. And David, Cheers. it was good to see you. We didn't get to talk about Agents of Mayhem at all. But I know. I love the one you all did on next Agents of Mayhem. Next stream. That was, I love that game. So yeah, we'll have you. to have you back. We talked about specifically that. And we, well, I, have to, I also have to you, maybe think about this during the stream. I need to try to get David Soren on here because, man, I haven't seen him in forever. Fun fact about him, he's also one of the co-founders of, do you know this one? Humble yeah. Bundle. Yeah. So talk about another person who's out there making big changes, not just on intellectual changes on the philosophy of animation and games, but also on like what Humble Bundle does for the world. He's also like, part of like a lawsuit with Steam right now. Like he's, yeah, I know David is he's, amazing. And he, he would come out and he's so super I love him. introverted and, and, and he'll just blow he's your great. mind on know, how I much totally he's thinking. Agree. I uh, David's fantastic. He's I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to him today because I haven't talked to him in a while. We exchanged emails for a while because I, I was drinking his Kool Aid in a big way, and I think um, you know it's just nice to stick to get, you know stick around with like minded people. So I think that there was a good energy there. So hopefully um, hopefully he's got some time. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, David. Thank you, Mike. Have a wonderful remainder of your days. I'm going to sign. I'll I'll I'll, I'll let you guys go by pushing off in the back the, the background here, and I'll I'll uh, sort of close the show. So thanks again, and uh, see thanks, you guys. That was awesome. Good Okay, well, uh, another conversation with another great conversation. Um, hopefully, everyone enjoyed that. Um, 
there, I, I don't know if I got to everyone's questions. Um, it was difficult because there was a lot of really good sidebar conversation that I was having a hard time filtering out questions from. Um, but um, if you didn't get them answered, then um, hopefully we can try to, you know, collect some of those and put them in the, uh, the backlog. So maybe the Q&A can eventually get around to dealing with that. Um, so I think that's uh, that pretty much covers it for this week as far as live streams are concerned. There is still a couple announcements. I teased it this yesterday um, that are still to come between between now and the end of the week on a couple a couple things. So keep an eye open for those on social channels and on our uh, Agora community kind of announcements that pop up every once in a while. So um, don't uh, don't blink because these things are going to come, and I want you to um, to catch it when it uh, when it's hot off the press. So again, another thank you to uh, to Mike and of course for David for taking their time out of their day uh, to be here with us. And um, I look forward to the next one. And the next one next week is um, going to be with um, with uh, with Ilse, Actually, um, she's been a um, um, a, um, a prolific animation contributor on YouTube for many many years now. So that would be a, an interesting one to have. That is happening on July the eighth. So that's uh, next week. July 8th, Thursday at 9.30 p.m. It's a little later, Eastern Standard Time. Um, um, and we're, I'm talking about, sorry, I'm talking about Il, Il Zemmer. I can never say her last name. That's why I'm totally avoiding it like a jerk. Zemmeripa. Zemmeripa? I don't know. David, do you know how to say it? Can I bring you back and you can say it? Sure. Because <laughs> I can't say uh, it. I would go with Ilse Zemmeripa. Which is pretty much what you said. Okay. There's probably a R that we should yeah. roll there. LC yeah, for Zemaripa. sure. For sure. There's definitely a rolling R that my Anglophone tongue has a hard time doing. All right. Well, thank you for saving me, David. Thank you for still being backstage to, to Okay, I'll, I'll go me. back in my box. Yeah. Now. <laughs> I'm going to put you back in the, <laughs> like the, the warm-up box. All right. Bye, David. So yeah, so she's going to be here with us next week, having another one of these conversations with. Um, so lots to lots to be learned there. I'm very curious to see um, her perspective, what got her into doing the the channel in the first place, um, and um, and yeah. So, anyways, thank you for being here, chat. Thank you always for being here, and until next time, stay animated, and I'll see you around the community. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects and gaming industries, providing daily educational material, free rigs and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So. Until next time, stay tuned and stay animated.